chapter four of paul clifford by edward bulwer lytton this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter four he had now become a young man of extreme fashion and as much répandu in society as the utmost and most exigent coveter of london celebrity could desire he was of course a member of the clubs etc he was in short of that oft-described set before whom all minor beaux sink into insignificance or among whom they eventually obtain a subaltern grade by a sacrifice of a due portion of their fortune almack's revisited by the soul of the great malebranche who made a search after truth and discovered everything beautiful except that which he searched for by the soul of the great malebranche whom bishop berkeley found suffering under an inflammation in the lungs and very obligingly talked to death an instance of conversational powers worthy the envious emulation of all great metaphysicians and arguers by the soul of that illustrious man it is amazing to us what a number of truths there are broken up into little fragments and scattered here and there through the world what a magnificent museum a man might make of the precious minerals if he would but go out with his basket under his arm and his eyes about him we ourselves picked up this very day a certain small piece of truth with which we propose to explain to thee fair reader a sinister turn in the fortunes of paul wherever says a living sage you see dignity you may be sure there is expense requisite to support it so was it with paul a young gentleman who was heir presumptive to the mug and who enjoyed a handsome person with a cultivated mind was necessarily of a certain station of society and an object of respect in the eyes of the manoeuvring mammas of the vicinity of tim's court many were the parties of pleasure to deptford and greenwich which paul found himself compelled to attend and we need not refer our readers to novels upon fashionable life to inform them that in good society the gentlemen always pay for the ladies nor was this all the expense to which his expectations exposed him a gentleman could scarcely attend these elegant festivities without devoting some little attention to his dress and a fashionable tailor plays the deuce with one's yearly allowance we who reside be it known to you reader in little brittany are not very well acquainted with the manners of the better classes in st james's but there was one great vice among the fine people about tim's court which we make no doubt does not exist anywhere else namely these fine people were always in an agony to seem finer than they were and the more airs a gentleman or a lady gave him or herself the more important they became joe the dog's meat man had indeed got into society entirely from a knack of saying impertinent things to everybody 
and the smartest exclusives of the place who seldom visited any one where there was not a silver teapot used to think joe had a great deal in him because he trundled his cart with his head in the air and one day gave the very beadle of the parish the cut direct now this desire to be so exceedingly fine not only made the society about tim's court unpleasant but expensive every one vied with his neighbour and as the spirit of rivalry is particularly strong in youthful bosoms we can scarcely wonder that it led paul into many extravagances the evil of all circles that profess to be select is high play and the reason is obvious persons who have the power to bestow on another an advantage he covets would rather sell it than give it and paul gradually increasing in popularity and ton found himself in spite of his classical education no match for the finished or rather finishing gentlemen with whom he began to associate his first admittance into the select coterie of these men of the world was formed at the house of bachelor bill a person of great notoriety among that portion of the elite which emphatically entitles itself flash however as it is our rigid intention in this work to portray at length no episodical characters whatsoever we can afford our readers but a slight and rapid sketch of bachelor bill this personage was of devonshire extraction his mother had kept the pleasantest public-house in town and at her death bill succeeded to her property and popularity all the young ladies in the neighbourhood of fiddler's row where he resided set their caps at him all the most fashionable prigs or tobymen sought to get him into their set and the most crack blowen in london would have given her ears at any time for a loving word from bachelor bill but bill was a long-headed prudent fellow and of a remarkably cautious temperament he avoided marriage and friendship namely he was neither plundered nor cornuded he was a tall aristocratic cove of a devilish neat address and very gallant in an honest way to the blowens like most single men being very much the gentleman so far as money was concerned he gave them plenty of feeds and from time to time a very agreeable hop his bingo brandy was unexceptionable and as for his stark naked gin it was voted the most brilliant thing in nature in a very short time by his blows out and his bachelorship for single men always arrive at the apex of haute tongue more easily than married he became the very glass of fashion and many were the tight apprentices even at the west end of the town who used to turn back in admiration of bachelor bill when of a sunday afternoon he drove down his varmint gig to his snug little box on the borders of turnham green bill's happiness was not however wholly without alloy the ladies of pleasure are always so excessively angry when a man does not make love to them that there is nothing they will not say against him and the fair matrons in the vicinity of fiddler's row spread all manner of unfounded reports against poor bachelor bill by degrees however for as tacitus has said doubtless with a prophetic eye to bachelor bill the truth gains by delay 
these reports began to die insensibly away and bill now waxing near to the confines of middle age his friends comfortably settled for him that he would be bachelor bill all his life for the rest he was an excellent fellow gave his broken victuals to the poor professed a liberal turn of thinking and in all the quarrels among the blowens your crack blowens are a quarrelsome set always took part with the weakest although bill affected to be very select in his company he was never forgetful of his old friends and mrs marjorie lopkins having been very good to him when he was a little boy in a skeleton jacket he invariably sent her a card to his soirees the good lady however had not of late years deserted her chimney-corner indeed the racket of fashionable life was too much for her nerves and the invitation had become a customary form not expected to be acted upon but not a whit the less regularly used for that reason as paul had now attained his sixteenth year and was a fine handsome lad the dame thought he would make an excellent representative of the mug's mistress and that for her protege a ball at bill's house would be no bad commencement of life in london accordingly she intimated to the bachelor a wish to that effect and paul received the following invitation from bill mr william duke gives a hop and feed in a quiet way on monday next and hops mr paul lopkins will be of the party n b gentlemen is expected to come in pumps when paul entered he found bachelor bill leading off the ball to the tune of drops of brandy with a young lady to whom because she had been a strolling player the lady's patronesses of fiddler's row had thought proper to behave with a very cavalier civility the good bachelor had no notion as he expressed it of such tantrums and he caused it to be circulated among the finest of the blowens that he expected all who kicked their heels at his house would behave decent and polite to young mrs dot this intimation conveyed to the ladies with all that insinuating polish for which bachelor bill was so remarkable produced a notable effect and mrs dot being now led off by the flash bachelor was overpowered with civilities the rest of the evening when the dance was ended bill very politely shook hands with paul and took an early opportunity of introducing him to some of the most noted characters of the town among these were the smart mr allfair the insinuating henry finish the merry jack hookey the knowing charles triwit and various others equally noted for their skill in living handsomely upon their own brains and the personals of other people to say truth paul who at that time was an honest lad was less charmed than he had anticipated by the conversation of these chevaliers of industry he was more pleased with the clever though self-sufficient remarks of a gentleman with a remarkably fine head of hair and whom we would more impressively than the rest introduce to our reader under the appellation of mr edward pepper generally termed long ned as this worthy was destined afterwards to be an intimate associate of paul our main reason for attending the hop at bachelor bills is to note as the importance of the event deserves the epoch of the commencement of their acquaintance 
long ned and paul happened to sit next to each other at supper and they conversed together so amicably that paul in the hospitality of his heart expressed a hope that he should see mr pepper at the mug 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 repeated pepper half shutting his eyes with the air of a dandy about to be impertinent ah the name of a chapel is it not there's a sect called muggletonians i think as to that said paul colouring at this insinuation against the mug mrs lopkins has no more religion than her betters but the mug is a very excellent house and frequented by the best possible company don't doubt it said ned remember now that i was once there and saw one dummy dunnaker is not that the name i recollect some years ago when i first came out that dummy and i had an adventure together to tell you the truth it was not the sort of thing i would do now but would you believe it mr paul this pitiful fellow was quite rude to me the only time i ever met him since that is to say the only time i ever entered the mug i have no notion of such airs in a merchant a merchant of rags those commercial fellows are getting quite insufferable you surprise me said paul poor dummy is the last man to be rude he is as civil a creature as ever lived or sold a rag said nod said ned possibly don't doubt his amiable qualities in the least pass the bingo my good fellow stupid stuff this dancing devilish stupid echoed harry finish across the table suppose we adjourn to fish lane and rattle the ivories what say you mr lopkins afraid of the ton's stern laugh which scarce the proud philosopher can scorn and not being very partial to dancing paul assented to the proposition and a little party consisting of harry finish all fair long ned and mr hookey adjourned to fish lane where there was a club celebrated among men who lived by their wits at which lush and bassy were gratuitously sported in the most magnificent manner here the evening passed away very delightfully and paul went home without a brad in his pocket from that time paul's visits to fish lane became unfortunately regular and in a very short period we grieve to say paul became that distinguished character a gentleman of three outs out of pocket out of elbows and out of credit the only two persons whom he found willing to accommodate him with a slight loan as the advertisement signed x y have it were mr dummy dunnaker and mr pepper surnamed the long the latter however while he obliged the heir to the mug never condescended to enter that noted place of resort and the former whenever he good-naturedly opened his purse-strings did it with a hearty caution to shun the acquaintance of long ned a parson said dummy of wary dangerous morals and not by no manner of means a fit associate for a young gemman of character like leetle paul so earnest was this caution and so especially pointed at long ned although the company of mr allfair or mr finish might be said to be no less prejudicial that it is probable that stately fastidiousness of manner which lord normanby rightly observes in one of his excellent novels makes so many enemies in the world and which sometimes characterized the behaviour of long ned especially towards the men of commerce was the main reason why dummy was so acutely and peculiarly alive to the immoralities of that lengthy gentleman at the same time we must observe that when paul 
remembering what pepper had said respecting his early adventure with mr dunnaker repeated it to the merchant dummy could not conceal a certain confusion though he merely remarked with a sort of laugh that it was not worth speaking about and it appeared evident to paul that something unpleasant to the man of rags which was not shared by the unconscious pepper lurked in the reminiscence of their past acquaintance howbeit the circumstance glided from paul's attention the moment afterwards and he paid we are concerned to say equally little heed to the cautions against ned with which dummy regaled him perhaps for we must now direct a glance towards his domestic concerns one great cause which drove paul to fish lane was the uncomfortable life he led at home for though mrs lobkins was extremely fond of her protege yet she was possessed as her customers emphatically remarked of the devil's own temper and her native coarseness never having been softened by those pictures of gay society which had in many a novel and comic farce refined the temperament of the romantic paul her manner of venting her maternal reproaches was certainly not a little revolting to a lad of some delicacy of feeling indeed it often occurred to him to leave her house altogether and seek his fortunes alone after the manner of the ingenious gil blas or the enterprising roderick random and this idea though conquered and reconquered gradually swelled and increased at his heart even as swelleth that hairy ball found in the stomach of some suffering heifer after its decease among these projects of enterprise the reader will hereafter notice that an early vision of the green forest cave in which turpin was accustomed with a friend a ham and a wife to conceal himself flitted across his mind at this time he did not perhaps incline to the mode of life practised by the hero of the roads but he certainly clung not the less fondly to the notion of the cave the melancholy flow of our hero's life was now however about to be diverted by an unexpected turn and the crude thoughts of boyhood to burst like gillen's giant palm into the fruit of a manly resolution among the prominent features of mrs lopkin's mind was a sovereign contempt for the unsuccessful the imprudence and ill-luck of paul occasioned her as much scorn as compassion and when for the third time within a week he stood with a rueful visage and with vacant pockets by the dame's great chair requesting an additional supply the tides of her wrath swelled into overflow look you my kinchin cove said she and in order to give peculiar dignity to her aspect she put on while she spoke a huge pair of tin spectacles if so be as how you goes for to think as how i shall go for to supply your wishes necessities you will find yourself planted in queer street blow me tight if i gives you another mag but i owe long ned a guinea said paul and dummy dunnaker lent me three crowns it ill becomes your heir apparent my dear dame to fight shy of his debts of honour terra de diddle don't think for to wheedle me with your debts and your honour said the dame in a passion long ned is as long in the forks fingers as he is in the back may old harry fly off with him and as for dern me dunnaker i wonders how you brought up such a swell and blessed with the wary best of hedications can think of putting up with such walger associates i tells you what paul you'll please to break with them smack and at once or devil a brad you'll ever get from peg lopkins 
so saying the old lady turned round in her chair and helped herself to a pipe of tobacco paul walked twice up and down the apartment and at last stopped opposite the dame's chair he was a youth of high spirit and though he was warm-hearted and had a love for mrs lopkins which her care and affection for hire well deserved yet he was rough in temper and not constantly smooth in speech it is true that his heart smote him afterwards whenever he had said anything to annoy mrs lopkins and he was always the first to seek a reconciliation but warm words produce cold respect and sorrow for the past is not always efficacious in amending the future paul then puffed up with the vanity of his genteel education and the friendship of long ned who went to ranelagh and wore silver clocked stockings stopped opposite to mrs lopkins's chair and said with great solemnity mr pepper madam says very properly that i must have money to support myself like a gentleman and as you won't give it me i am determined with many thanks for your past favours to throw myself on the world and seek my fortune if paul was of no oily and bland temper dame margaret lopkins it has been seen had no advantage on that score we dare say the reader has observed that nothing so enrages persons on whom one depends as any expressed determination of seeking independence gazing therefore for one moment at the open but resolute countenance of paul while all the blood of her veins seemed gathering in fire and scarlet to her enlarging cheeks dame lopkins said if eex master pride and does seek your fortune yourself will you this comes of my bringing you up and letting you eat the bread of idleness and charity you toad of a thousand take that and be damned to ye and suiting the action to the word the tube which she had withdrawn from her mouth in order to utter her gentle rebuke whizzed through the air grazed paul's cheek and finished its earthly career by coming in violent contact with the right eye of dummy dunneker who at that exact moment entered the room paul had winced for a moment to avoid the missive in the next he stood perfectly upright his cheeks glowed his chest swelled and the entrance of dummy dunneker who was thus made the spectator of the affront he had received stirred his blood into a deeper anger and a more bitter self-humiliation all his former resolutions of departure all the hard words the coarse allusions the practical insults he had at any time received rushed upon him at once he merely cast one look at the old woman whose rage was now half subsided and turned slowly and in silence to the door there is often something alarming in an occurrence merely because it is that which we least expect the astute mrs lopkins remembering the hearty temper and fiery passions of paul had expected some burst of rage some vehement reply and when she caught with one wandering eye his parting look and saw him turn so passively and mutely to the door her heart misgave her she raised herself from her chair and made towards him unhappily for her chance of reconciliation she had that day quaffed more copiously of the bold and usual and the signs of intoxication visible in her uncertain gait her meaningless eye her vacant leer her ruby cheek all inspired paul with feelings which at the moment converted resentment into something very much like aversion he sprang from her grasp to the threshold where be you going you imp of the world cried the dame get in with you and say no more on the matter be a bob call drop the bullies and you shall have the blunt but paul heeded not this invitation i will eat the bread of idleness and charity no longer said he sullenly good-bye and if ever i can pay you what i have cost you i will 
he turned away as he spoke and the dame kindling with resentment at his unseemly return to her proffered kindness hallooed after him and bade that dark-coloured gentleman who keeps the fire office below go along with him swelling with anger pride shame and a half-joyous feeling of emancipated independence paul walked on he knew not whither with his head in the air and his legs marshalling themselves into a military gait of defiance he had not proceeded far before he heard his name uttered behind him he turned and saw the rueful face of dummy dunneker very inoffensively had that respectable person been employed during the last part of the scene we have described in caressing his afflicted eye and muttering philosophical observations on the danger incurred by all those who are acquainted with ladies of a choleric temperament when mrs lobkins turning round after paul's departure and seeing the pitiful person of that dummy dunneker whose name she remembered paul had mentioned in his opening speech and whom therefore with an illogical confusion of ideas she considered a party in the late dispute exhausted upon him all that rage which it was necessary for her comfort that she should unburden somewhere she seized the little man by the collar the tenderest of all places in gentlemen similarly circumstanced with regard to the ways of life and giving him a blow which took effect on his other and hitherto undamaged eye cried out i'll teach you you blood-sucker that is parasite to sponge upon those as has expectations i'll teach you to cousin the air of the mug you snivelling way-faced ghost of a farthing rushlight what you'll lend my paul three crowns will you when you know says how you told me you could not pay me a pitiful tizzy oh you're a queer one i warrants but you won't queer marjorie lobkins out of my can you cur of the mange out of my can and if ever i claps my seas on you again or if ever i knows as how you makes a flat of my paw blow me tight but i'll weave you a hempen collar i'll hang you you dog i will what you will answer me will you oh you viper budge and be gone it was in vain that dummy protested his innocence a violent coup de pied broke off all further parlance he made a clear house of the mug and the landlady thereof tottering back to her elbow-chair sought out another pipe and like all imaginative persons when the world goes wrong with them consoled herself for the absence of realities by the creations of smoke meanwhile dummy dunneker muttering and murmuring bitter fancies overtook paul and accused that youth of having been the occasion of the injuries he had just undergone paul was not at that moment in the humour best adapted for the patient bearing of accusations he answered mr dunneker very shortly and that respectable individual still smarting under his bruises replied with equal tartness words grew high and at length paul desirous of concluding the conference clenched his fist and told the redoubted dummy that he would knock him down there is something peculiarly harsh and stunning in those three hard wiry sturdy stubborn monosyllables their very sound makes you double your fist if you are a hero or your pace if you are a peaceable man they produced an instant effect upon dummy dunneker aided as they were by the effect of an athletic and youthful figure already fast approaching to the height of six feet a flushed cheek and an eye that bespoke both passion and resolution the rag merchant's voice sank at once and with the countenance of a wronged cassius he whimpered forth knock me down oh little paul but wicked vids are those but dummy dunneker as had dandled you on his knee monies at time and oft by the cove's art is as art as junk and as proud as a gardener's dog with a nosegay tied to his tail this pathetic remonstrance softened paul's anger well dummy said he laughing i did not mean to hurt you and there's an end of it 
and i am very sorry for the dame's ill conduct and so i wish you a good morning by bear be you trotting too leetle paul said dummy grasping him by the tail of the coat the deuce a bit i know he answered our hero but i think i shall drop a call on long ned avast there said dummy speaking under his breath if so be as you won't blab i'll tell you a bit of a secret i heerd as our long ned started for hampshire this wary morning on a toby highway expedition consarn ha said paul then hang me if i know what to do as he uttered these words a more thorough sense of his destitution if he persevered in leaving the mug than he had hitherto felt rushed upon him for paul had designed for a while to throw himself on the hospitality of his patagonian friend and now that he found that friend was absent from london and on so dangerous an expedition he was a little puzzled what to do with that treasure of intellect and wisdom which he carried about upon his leg already he had acquired sufficient penetration for charles triwit and harry finish were excellent masters for initiating a man into the knowledge of the world to perceive that a person however admirable may be his qualities does not readily find a welcome without a penny in his pocket in the neighbourhood of tim's court he had indeed many acquaintances but the fineness of his language acquired from his education and the elegance of his air in which he attempted to blend in happy association the gallant effrontery of mr long ned with a graceful negligence of mr augustus tomlinson had made him many enemies among those acquaintances and he was not willing so great was our hero's pride to throw himself on the chance of their welcome or to publish as it were his exiled and crestfallen state as for those boon companions who had assisted him in making a wilderness of his pockets he had already found that that was the only species of assistance which they were willing to render him in a word he could not for the life of him conjecture in what quarter he should find the benefits of bed and board while he stood with his finger to his lip undecided amusing but fully resolved at least on one thing not to return to the mug little dummy who was a good-natured fellow at the bottom peered up in his face and said by paul my kid you looks down in the chops cheer up care killed a cat observing that this appropriate encouraging fact of natural history did not lessen the cloud upon paul's brow the acute dummy dunnaker proceeded at once to the grand panacea for all evils in his own profound estimation paul my ben call said he with a knowing wink and nudging the young gentleman in the left side vat do you say to a drop a blue ruin or as you likes to be conish genteel i doesn't care if i sport you a glass of port while dunnaker was uttering this invitation a sudden reminiscence flashed across paul he bethought him at once of magrawley and he resolved forthwith to repair to the abode of that illustrious sage and petition at least for accommodation for the approaching night so soon as he had come to this determination he shook off the grasp of the amiable dummy and refusing with many thanks his hospitable invitation requested him to abstract from the dame's house and lodge within his own until called for such articles of linen and clothing as belonged to paul and could easily be laid hold of during one of the matron's evening siestas by the shrewd dunnaker the merchant promised that the commission should be speedily executed and paul shaking hands with him proceeded to the mansion of macgrawler we must now go back somewhat in the natural course of our narrative and observe that among the minor causes which had conspired with the great one of gambling to bring our excellent paul to his present situation was his intimacy with macgrawler for when paul's increasing years and roving habits had put an end to the sage's instructions there was thereby lopped off from 
the preceptor's finances the weekly sum of two shillings and sixpence as well as the freedom of the dame's cellar and larder and as in the reaction of feeling and the perverse course of human affairs people generally repent the most of those actions once the most ardently incurred so poor mrs lopkins imagining that paul's irregularities were entirely owing to the knowledge he had acquired from magrawler's instructions grievously upbraided herself for her former folly in seeking for a superior education for her protege nay she even vented upon the sacred head of magrawler himself her dissatisfaction at the results of his instructions in like manner when a man who can spell comes to be hanged the anti-educationists accuse the spelling-book of his murder high words between the admirer of ignorant innocence and the propagator of intellectual science ensued which ended in magrawler's final expulsion from the mug there are some young gentlemen of the present day addicted to the adoption of lord byron's poetry with the alteration of new rhymes who are pleased graciously to inform us that they are born to be the ruin of all those who love them an interesting fact doubtless but which they might as well keep to themselves it would seem by the contents of this chapter as if the same misfortune were destined to paul the exile of magrawler the insults offered to dummy dunnaker alike occasioned by him appear to sanction that opinion unfortunately though paul was a poet he was not much of a sentimentalist and he has never given us the edifying ravings of his remorse on those subjects but magrawler like dunnaker was resolved that our hero should perceive the curse of his fatality and as he still retained some influence over the mind of his quondam pupil his accusations against paul as the origin of his banishment were attended with a greater success than were the complaints of dummy dunnaker on a similar calamity paul who like most people who are good for nothing had an excellent heart was exceedingly grieved at magrawler's banishment on his account and he endeavoured to atone for it by such pecuniary consolations as he was enabled to offer these magrawler purely we may suppose from a benevolent desire to lessen the boy's remorse scrupled not to accept and thus so similar often are the effects of virtue and of vice the exemplary magrawler conspired with the unprincipled long ned and the heartless henry finish in producing the unenviable state of vacuity which now saddened over the pockets of paul as our hero was slowly walking towards the sage's abode depending on his gratitude and friendship for a temporary shelter one of those lightning flashes of thought which often illumine the profoundest abyss of affliction darted across his mind recalling the image of the critic he remembered that he had seen that ornament of the asinium receive sundry sums for his critical lucubration why said paul seizing on that fact and stopping short in the street why should i not turn critic myself the only person to whom one ever puts a question with a tolerable certainty of receiving a satisfactory answer is one's self the moment paul started this luminous suggestion it appeared to him that he had discovered the minds of potosi burning with impatience to discuss with the great magrawler the feasibility of his project he quickened his pace almost into a run and in a very few minutes having only overthrown one chimney-sweeper and two apple-women by the way he arrived at the sage's door End of chapter four